Hey, welcome to Foolproof Theology. My name is Chase Davis, and I am your host. Today, I want to talk about several kind of related uh, matters. And recently, as I'm recording this episode, this week, uh, Russia has decided to use um, an invading force against Ukraine. And so I want to discuss that in light of an article that I just released uh, through Mere Orthodoxy, or at least they published an article I wrote uh, for them. And so I wanted to talk about some related issues. I want to kind of do a disclaimer up front, though, uh, that, you know, like I'm, I'm dabbling in a lot of different areas uh, and I, I tend to be a creative thinker, meaning I, I cross a lot of boundaries uh, in terms of, you know, talking about spiritual formation, international politics, theology, um, all sorts of stuff. And so that's typically frowned upon. Uh, and I get that. Um, a lot of people would rather me just stay in my lane. Uh, I've had one mentor in- encourage me in that direction. Uh, you know, I tr- I try, <laughs> but it's really hard sometimes to to stay in my lane when, when I see a lot of overlapping ideas that, that could be useful. And I think there's a lot of creativity when we start exploring and conversing on uh, ideas that overlap in, in the world and, and based on God's word and theology. And so that's part of the reason I, I do some creative thinking. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes wish I could stay in my lane more, um, but I, I just find it more interesting and curious to explore how different ideas in our world relate. And the second thing I want to do is make sure that as we talk about um, kind of using and, and using the, the invasion of Ukraine, um, which is a tyrannical action by uh, a dictator, basically. Uh, what I don't want to do is just stay in the realm of ideas in terms of uh, use things like any any world events as some kind of calloused approach to people's actual suffering. There's real people suffering real harm right now. Um, there's a, there's war going on, um, and war like that's different in some ways um, that we've seen before, at least in my lifetime. And so my my heart in, in kind of sharing these ideas is not to be calloused. In fact, at the end of the episode, based on the outline, uh, you're going to see how it actually should, uh, should move us to prayer, should move us to, uh, to action. And so the idea in discussing ideas behind world events is not to, uh, to approach them with some kind of uh, callous disregard for people's actual suffering. There's real horrible things going on right now. Um, and so, we're going to discuss that, but I just wanted to give that disclaimer up front and kind of give you a vision of where where I hope to take uh, the podcast episode today. Um, this week, I released a, or I should say, Mere Orthodoxy released an article I wrote uh, about boundaries and borders. And what I do in that article is I talk about how a lot of our understanding of individualism and Western individualism kind of reduces people to atomistic existence. So people get reduced to kind of like, I am my own God, I'm the captain of my own soul, that kind of thinking. Um, and that that's an interesting modern development where we're less connected than normal. And then we try to connect over virtual platforms, like even over podcasts or something like this. And, and we know it's not how it's supposed to be. And my argument is actually that the modern world is actually not just individualistic, but it's actually enmeshed relationally. And you'll see this a lot in talks about identity. So you have to affirm my identity. If you don't affirm who I am, if you don't value who I am, accept who I am, then you hate me. And so we have this weird enmeshment in our world where it's almost like this horseshoe effect where on one end, you've got these super individualists who you know just want to live alone and be bothered by no one. And on the other end, you've got these super enmeshed people who demand you accept everything about them. No judgment, nothing. 
Uh, and they both are kind of saying the same thing. And so that article, I really flesh out how this idea of enmeshment informs how we view doctrine, how we view church membership, how we view national borders, how we view economics. Uh, enmeshment plays out in like economics where we talk about socialism and how really amongst millennials, it's very, and maybe this is true of every younger generation, there's there's an appeal of socialism where we all share everything and we we don't really have a sense of mine and where I end and you begin. Instead, we should all share. We should contribute to the common good. We should we should all kind of have this pot that we pull from to take care of one another. It's the same thing with borders. Borders are seen as like, you know, offensive where uh, where it's like we're we're harming other people by not letting them in. Whether you're talking about um, cities, nations, states, whatever it is, and so I, I talk about borders in the article, which is. Uh, why I kind of was thinking about talking about the the circumstances in Ukraine because it kind of relates to this idea of enmeshment, and so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, there's kind of big three big ideas. The first one is that uh, borders matter, boundaries matter. Um, anyone in relationship knows this, although it can be hard to to learn in life. But boundaries matter. Setting up boundaries between people, having appropriate boundaries relationally with other people, matters. Um, under respecting boundaries of authority and hierarchy that are established by God, they matter. And so we shouldn't try to violate boundaries that God has, God has established. So there's certain boundaries like relationally between parent and child, um, which are to be respected and honored that God established. Um, and so there's a lot of talk about borders in uh, in our world, whether it's from the southern border to the Ukrainian border. And, and there's a bit of irony. And if you if you follow me at all, you know, I kind of like to find the areas where there seems to be a discrepancy in passion. Um, you could call it a hypocrisy where people are passionate about one thing, but then seem to display a different set of values when assessing another situation. So the example that was on my mind this week was, um, you know, with the United States, we have a southern border that borders Mexico. I've been down there and done mission work down there. Uh, I vacation in Mexico, um, love, love uh, the people down there. And so there is a there's a problem though on our southern border in terms of how we handle immigration. Um, there's a lot of talk about immigration reform and what we need to do, and there were all sorts of um, issues with pictures of kids in cages and how we're caring for people that are coming across the border. And these are not these are not just abstract ideas. These are real people. These are real people who live in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, California, who are trying to figure out as Christians how do I love people who are immigrating to this country and doing so in an illegal manner. And so now you'll get lots of sloganeering, like, you know, no one is illegal, no human is illegal. You'll Christians who are, are really um, hesitant to speak up about, you know, issues on the border because they don't want to be seen as either uh, not caring or, or even worse racist um, for anything like that. And so they won't talk about it. And so there seems to be a, a kind of a, a silence uh, in, in especially in evangelical institutions regarding borders. And so it's, uh, you know, it's pretty odd that a lot of these people who are very passionate under uh, a former president about the borders and how we're caring for people that are coming across the border and what we're doing to immigrants. Now the situation is uh, worse um, in terms of what's going on down there. And there seems to be just like widespread silence. There seems to be a, a lack of interest, I would say. Uh, maybe because there's other issues that have come up. You know, that's fair. Uh, um, but it's it's awfully suspicious to me. 
when you know Christianity Today or or other institutions that are known legacy institutions within evangelicalism and Christianity just remain silent on an issue on our southern border, and then when another nation's borders are violated, um, you know they're fully willing to dive into that matter. Now, I put in my notes. I want to be very clear that Russia firing missiles at Ukraine is not the same as an immigration issue on our southern border. Those are two different things and those require two different responses my point though is that they both have to do with borders they both have to do with boundaries now a lot of our nation states uh the the idea of the nation state came in kind of the the reformation in the middle ages and and so you could toy we could walk that kind of line of thinking like how firm and fast and permanent should those boundaries be anyways? And that's an interesting topic of conversation that I, I'm not going to cover today. But my point is just to talk about that there seems to be a duplicity when we are so interested in talking about the borders of other countries being violated. And yet we really have kind of this fear or reticence, particularly under certain political parties, to talk about issues of our own borders. And so, um, you know, that's that's an interesting thing to me. You could you could make the same argument um, and you could explore it intellectually with the the matter of Kyle Rittenhouse, one of the one of the situations uh, or one of the arguments that that was most touted against uh, his involvement in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, was that he was crossing a border. Right. And so our world is concerned with borders, with boundaries. But there seems to be just a duplicity in the way that we care and who we care for. And so that's kind of the first point I, um, I actually put on Twitter um, yesterday. And I said, uh, they're actually going to look us in the eye and say, we have to go defend someone's border. They're going to look us straight in the eye because a lot of people just don't seem to care about our own border. Um, in fact, they, they view caring about our own border as racist. And so that's that's one issue that I wanted to uh, to talk about. The other issue is is related and has to do with property rights. Um, God established property rights in, in the Old Testament. And so there are, this this actually has more biblical weight than, than modern nation states in terms of uh, biblical authority, like property rights matter, how we shouldn't steal other people's property, how people have a right to their own possessions, how people should be generous, uh, and also people have a right to own things. Um, and so there seems to be kind of a hesitance to talk about property and property rights biblically. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, there seems to be more eagerness, and this goes back to my article about sharing and you know being generous and how material possessions don't matter. And this really hit the hit the ground for me in ministry when we had the fires in Boulder County and people lost everything. And for a lot of Christians, you know, it, it seems that the approach to property and the material world seems to be well, it doesn't matter anyways because that's not what's most important. And it's like that's a really cruel way to treat other people and a really calloused way to deal with material reality that God created good and that God cares about the material world because uh, the son of God became man and took the material world when he resurrected, took the material in flesh, Jesus is in flesh, um, embodied into heaven. And so we know in the new creation, it won't just be some ethereal disembodied existence, it will be material. And so we we should care about material possessions, not not overly care. As Jesus says, we shouldn't shouldn't set our minds primarily on those things. He will take care of us and in, in, in our in the way we eat, drink, and are clothed. We should set our mind on the kingdom advancing uh, all throughout the world. 
So it's not that we want to overemphasize the material, but we want to kind of course correct, or at least I want to course correct what I see to be kind of some dangerous teaching regarding property in the material world. And so the, the kind of discrepancy I wanted to highlight, particularly with Ukraine, is we obviously view this incursion. It's not just an incursion, it's an invasion of Russia into Ukraine as a problem because not only is it a violation of a boundary, but it's a violation of people's property. People's property is being destroyed. Homes are being destroyed. Uh, not just lives being taken, but but actual property being burned down, destroyed by missiles. Um, all sorts of of terrible things are happening, and we should care about that. That's that that matters a lot. Like when one country decides to fire missiles at another country and destroy property that people own in that country, those are not small things. Those are those are significant things. Um, and so while the church may uh, be forced to go underground and, and God bless those faithful ministers there on the ground who are who are ministering to people who are scared, hurting, dying um, and suffering. Um, we would pray that the gospel would go forward, that the enemy would be defeated and that they would be spared from from death so that they continue to minister. But um, but yeah, in the midst of all that, we should care about property. I just think it's very duplicitous when. You know, we say we care about the property over there, halfway around the world. I mean, Ukraine's pretty far away. And then we've got 93% peaceful protest. We had, there was a hilarious kind of Chiron of CNN in 2020 where it said mostly peaceful protest. And there's a, a building burning down behind the, uh, the guy um, on the screen. And so we've got 93% peaceful protest. And, and most pastors, most, uh, and I'll say most evangelical leaders, just don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Because as soon as they criticize, you know, some of the protests turning into riots, which caused billions of dollars worth of damage across our country, then they would be labeled a racist. They would be labeled something and they're scared of that. And so they won't speak up about it here, but they're happy to speak up about it over there. And so there's just a strange fear that has come over leaders that perplexes me. And I view it as duplicitous because they're not consistent with their values. They're not consistent with biblical values and how they apply them and how they talk about them. Um, and so I, ju I just think it's odd. And then another matter that I wanted to discuss, uh, there's, there's two more. Um, one is that, you know, we, we have this weird understanding of power and authority. And this a lot of this comes from Aaron Rand. I'm going to drop, drop his podcast in the show notes Um particularly one that just came out on authority and how we need to appreciate authority. And so you'll get these weird statements, these weird observations on American culture, Christian culture, where you'll get pastors who celebrate the demise of Christian culture in America, who are, who are happy with the decline of Christian culture, who are happy to kind of step out of the public square and let the world be secular. Um, they're, 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 that's just fine for them. Like that, that's no problem. And so this actually, I think, stems from a, a really distorted view of power and authority. And what Ren talks about in his podcast is he says, and I've had Ren on my show before, and I don't, can't, I don't think we covered this, but with the issue of authority and elites in society, um, elites are inevitable. You'll get elites anywhere. The, the goal isn't to hate on elites. We shouldn't just uh, cave into a populist mindset. But elites are everywhere. It's not that the, the elites themselves and their power is the problem. It's how they're using it and how they're not using it. And we should embrace the reality that God has established authorities on earth. God has established power on earth. There are hierarchies on earth that are inevitable and, and that they're baked in by design. And so we shouldn't despise those things. Um, but unfortunately for many Christians, for many Christians, and this is how I was taught. In fact, 
I was listening to one of Ren's older podcast on marriage. And this is how many Christians are taught that the only good thing about power is to give it up. The only redeemable quality that you can use power for is to empower other people. And so men are taught in marriage that the best thing you can do is lay down yourself for your wife. And that means that you should do anything you can so that she'll have a happy, fulfilled life. Anything you can to make her life better. Now, biblically speaking, yeah, we should love our wives. We should lead our wives. We should we should um, serve them as Christ has served the church. And also, that's not the only paradigm for leadership. A lot of people want to view Christian leadership as simply the divestment of power, how we should just give up our power, just give up and surrender. And so there's a lot of kind of this strange approach to how we use authority, how we view power. Um, we don't like uh, figures that are in authority who try to exert that authority. Um, this is where we start getting into gray areas of what what the world would call abuse. Um, and so it starts to get, our, our world is very scared of people who exercise authority. Now, what's interesting about evangelical culture is this is widespread. So it's all about, you know, power's bad, don't try to get power. Don't have ambitions for power. The only thing you can do with power is get rid of it. Um, they view money similarly in the church the same way. The only redeemable thing about money is to divest yourself of your money, to be generous with your money, to give it away. Money is evil, which is not what the Bible teaches. And the same is true for power. Power is not inherently evil. It can be corrupt. It can be used for evil. Um, and the higher you, the more power you have, the higher authority you have, the more dangerous that power can become because it can impact more people negatively and diminish the advancement of the kingdom in the world. And so there's definitely warnings, but it's interesting that these people have a view of power in which we in America should celebrate the decline of Christianity, of cultural Christianity. We should celebrate when we are suffering. We should actually vote in such a way so that we should welcome our own suffering. Um, in fact, suffering is good for us. It's inherently good is, is how it's pitched. And because we should want to be holy, we should want to suffer. Therefore, we should vote in line with that. Now, they're not going to come out explicitly and say that as logically and linearly as I did. But that's where a lot of their logic leads to is this conclusion that if we want to be good Christians, we need to suffer. And therefore, we should um vote for policies, institute politicians, and go after things that uh, reduce our own power and increase our suffering. And so the reason I wanted to highlight the duplicity in this with Ukraine is that no one in their right mind would make that argument for the Ukrainians right now. There's no one who's going to make that argument. And for good reason, because it's an insane argument. It's not a good argument. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these people are very eager for us to go defend the sovereignty of Ukraine while they also are very fine with the diminishment of our own country. So you'll get kind of this idea that we should be, uh, that because the kingdom involves all nations, we should kind of have this global perspective and that the more that America can be diminished, the better. Um, and so you'll get, you know, socio-demographic guys. I saw this in, um, I saw this in seminary um, that, you know, we should, celebrate how the gospel is advancing in the rest of the world. And that should really um, encourage us as the gospel recedes in our own country. And so there's kind of this duplicitous motive 
where, yeah, like we can celebrate where the kingdom is advancing in the Southern hemisphere. That's great. Fantastic. I love it. Like I love when the gospel goes forward and you know what they're trying to show is how you're not the center of the world anymore, America. And that's good. And it's just an odd flex. Like it's an odd way to try to teach Christians about their own significance. And so there's this almost shame that a lot of Christians and seminary professors and evangelicals have about Western influence, about America's own power or Christian heritage. There's a lot of shame about that. And yet they're totally willing to go and fight on the other side of the world to defend someone else's uh, property rights, boundaries, uh, sovereignty, anything that would diminish their influence on the world stage. They're totally willing to send my sons to war, to me to go to war, um, my cousins go to war on behalf of our country. But when it comes to standing up for rights here, we're told, no, the Christian thing is to lay down your rights. You see the duplicity? I mean, this is just, it's its a very strange way of thinking. And I, and I don't think it's very Christian and consistent. And that's what bothers me about it, is they're going to say, the best thing you can do here is lay down your rights, because that's what God wants. And then they're going to say, we're going to send your sons to go die for other people's rights overseas. Which there's there may be a good principled argument for why we should get involved, and I'm I'm I I can entertain that, and we can we can explore that, but I first want to highlight the duplicity, the hypocrisy, and how we're totally willing to just kind of like give up here and then go to war there. That's that's just odd. It's an odd observation I've had this week, and it kind of relates to the power and authority of the Aaron Wren podcast, the Boundaries article. And then the last thing, and I think that uh, I've, I have a pastor friend commenting here, and it, he said, uh, pray for those who persecute you has become pray for persecution. And that's absolutely right. And if you listen to one of my prior episodes on persecution and suffering, uh, those are not things that Christians should want. When the Bible talks, when the New Testament specifically talks about persecution and suffering, it's always in light of a hope that God will take care of us. It's never you should make choices that lead to your own suffering or lead to your own persecution. In fact, Paul says, Often, we should make choices that lead to us leading, uh, leading a quiet life, living a quiet life, right? Where we don't, where we're not getting persecuted, where we're not suffering needlessly. And so um, we should pray for those who are suffering. Um, and this brings me to my last point is how should we pray for Ukrainians? How should we pray for Ukrainians? Um, I've seen ludicrous statements like uh, pastors putting out uh, hashtag uh, Christians before nations you know, uh, we're Christians before we're part of nations. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, like, that's true. But like, there's one country attacking another country. And we should pray that that country, Russia, would be defeated in their efforts. We should pray that God would stop them in their tracks by by whatever means he sees fit, by the Ukrainians defending themselves, by, by them having self-defense. I mean, the Ukrainian government at this point is giving out uh, guns to any citizen They've, they've banned any male from leaving the country who's of fighting age. They're inviting anyone who's a citizen to take up arms, and they're giving guns away to their people. And that's uncomfortable for a lot of Christians in America because they've been told by their leaders that self-defense is bad, that uh, owning guns is bad, and that defending yourself uh, is not something Christians should do. And so they, they have a very warped view of a biblical interpretation of property rights, boundaries, self-defense. Um, all of these things, and it's all playing out and how we pray for Ukraine. We should pray for Ukraine. We should pray for those who are suffering to be comforted. We should pray for those who are scared to be comforted by God. We should pray for those who don't know God to turn to him and find refuge, to know that they can find hope and eternal life in God, no matter the outcome of their life, and 
We should pray for them to stand strong against the enemy who's attacking them. And we should pray for victory, for them to have victory against the people who are oppressing them, who are tyrannizing them, who are firing missiles at them. We should pray for them to have victory against them. And many Christian pastors are very uncomfortable with these types of prayers. And I don't understand why. Um, all throughout church history and all throughout the biblical uh, corpus, we see in the Old Testament that we should pray when we're suffering, when people are trying to kill us, we should pray that they would not and that we would have the strength to stand strong, but that we would always trust God, not put our not put our trust in chariots or horses or tanks or guns, but ultimately that those are those are resources that we can use to take up against people who would try to kill us. And so there's there's a widespread uh, just anemic gospel, an anemic approach to how we pray when people are suffering. I saw the same thing in Afghanistan when the Taliban was going door to door, brutalizing people when, when America cowardly pulled out of that country and you saw the Taliban just taking over uh, the capital city and invading. And, and you saw a lot of Christians just praying these kind of weak prayers of, Hey, like, let's just pray for them to be comforted, man. That's so sad. That's so hard. And it's like, no, pray for God to strike down the enemy. Like we should pray for that. And I don't know why we're so reticent to do so. I know we don't want to be seen as cruel and incompassionate, but the fact that we can't take a stand in our prayer publicly to say this is wrong and we should stand up against him, we should ask God to intervene in a very both supernatural and material way that, that lives would be spared and that God would thwart the plans of the people who are coming to hurt other people. God, please help them. Uh, stand strong. God, please work. Those are the kind of prayers that Christian pastors should be praying right now. Instead, you get a lot of just, God, help them, you know, comfort them, give them peace. Uh, you know, what what Christian pastors are going to want to celebrate, and that's totally understandable because their pastors are a huddled group of women in a square praying together. Fantastic. They're going to want to celebrate uh, people singing hymns in a subway station. Fantastic. That is great. Those are great examples of a faithful testimony and Christians uh, interceding for God to work. And also Christian pastors should be celebrating when people are defending their own homes and defending their country from invading forces. We should be celebrating that as well. And we should be praying for more of that to be happening. That's why at Family Prayer the other day, when I prayed, God, I pray that you would thwart the Russians and strike them down as they come into this country. And my youngest son, who's six, he was like, did you just pray for that? I was like, yeah, we should that like, that's a very biblical prayer. Like that's, I don't, it's very, it's an odd thing. I just am highlighting at least four odd things in this podcast based on these world events that, that really highlight this strange way to approach spirituality, the material world, how we approach nations and boundaries and all sorts of things. And so as Christians, what we want to do is pray audacious, powerful prayers because our God is powerful to intervene. He can work. He can do amazing things. He has done amazing things in Christ, and he still is doing amazing things. The church is advancing throughout the nations, and there are more people are coming to the kingdom, and we want the kingdom to saturate nations. And we want to pray for more people to come into the kingdom because of this crisis in Ukraine and in light of this crisis in Ukraine, and not just crisis, this war that Russia has needlessly provoked the world into, uh, even though many nations are standing aside and just letting Ukraine suffer, we should pray that Russia would be defeated in light of this. And that is a very biblical prayer. So that's my encouragement for you today. If you found this interesting, I'd, I'd love for you to share with other people, uh, get a conversation started. I, I share my ideas publicly, not to uh, 
not to judge uncritically, but to really get conversations started between Christians so that we can think more critically and more biblically about our world. So share this episode. Go ahead and subscribe if this is on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe and hit that bell icon so that you get notified. And if you listen on podcasts, leave us a review. Leave me a review, basically. And uh, and hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully you like the content. If not, uh, leave a comment. Uh, subscribe and let other people know about the show. But thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you.